millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of the Cult Pop Show podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash once again once again thank you for joining us this sounds like (laughs) i'm wrapping up (laughs) uh the the joining us on the cold pop show podcast today we are finishing something we started what feels like a lifetime ago we are generations ago yeah you could say that you could say that Uh, it's almost like this is kind of a reboot of where we first started Okay, you could say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or like an alternate timeline, I guess. Is yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's varying degrees of uh, ways you can go about it. Anywho, we if you've been listening to us for the last couple of weeks, you will know what I'm talking about. But if this is the first episode you've ever heard of this podcast, then Who are well, we? thank you for coming. Uh, thank you for joining us. My name is Richard. I am joined mm. by my co-host, Alexander Jones. Mm. Yeah, I guess that, I guess that is my name. Yeah, and this is a sh- little show called Film Franchise Fortnites. The podcast is called Cult Pop Show. This is a a, a series within that framework which takes up the majority of the podcast itself which mm. is confusing but at the same time you don't want to you don't want to subscribe to a podcast called Film Franchise. Film yeah, so yeah. if you're listening to this because you did subscribe because of the cool name, yeah, we're sorry. This is really what the podcast is. And we don't just spoonerize phrases, mm, as the title would suggest. Yeah. And so, yeah, we've done this in uh, the start. We're doing the Star Trek series, and it's taken us more than uh, two parts, or to spoonerize that, poo tarts, <laughs> which is a. A Christmas treat you don't want in your Maybe in your we do do that on this podcast then, after all. <laughs> Maybe we could do that for our upcoming uh, spinoff podcast, Gamelify. Yeah, very good. We just keep, we're pitching, um, I can't our new thing is pitching Family Guy spinoff fa- podcast. Family Guy based podcast. I can't be bothered setting this up, but um, Tar Streaks is kind of fun. Oh yeah, nice. You can set it up if you like. Nah. We can save that one for later. <laughs> and so, yeah, the Star Trek, we, a couple of weeks ago, we covered the, well, a couple of weeks ago, we covered the the Next Generation series of films. And a couple of weeks before that, we covered the original series, series of films. Today, we're doing the, uh, depends what you want to call them, the reboot series, the J.J. Abrams films, or the Calvin timeline is what we uh, are talking about and starting with star trek in 2009 
Star Trek Into Darkness in 2013, and most recently Star Trek Beyond in 2016. So it's been a while since the last one, eh? Yeah, for sure. And this is, episode is going to have one of the longest continuing the franchise segments because there has been so much happening with the possibility oh, of a cool. Star Trek four. So oh, cool. Interesting. So yeah, let's take uh take ourselves back to two thousand and nine when JJ Abrams himself because there was with no Star Wars films on the horizon, he said, Well, I guess I'll do a Star Trek film. And <laughs> we'll get into that a bit more, but that is more or less the story. And mm. yeah, he directed this film. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Okay, so we said that this is the highest one the other the other week we said this had the highest Rotten Tomatoes score I'm gonna guess 95% on 94% on but yeah it is the highest right. one of the franchise and what is it about AJ so this is essentially an origin story for the uh, original series characters so we are joined by well we we join a young <laughs> captain well he's not captain yet but James Tiberius Kirk um but before we join him yeah. we join his father chris hemsworth upon the uh starship uss calvin uh where which is similar to what we know of as the enterprise uh but things are disrupted when a large ship comes out of nowhere uh, and it blows everyone up the a lot of the car, the crew are saved thanks to the um to captain kirk captain george kirk um stepping up to uh save the day when their usual captain uh, goes away um he is he is killed in the process but does facilitate the escape of something like 800 lives mm. including his newborn son and by newborn i mean getting born as the ship is exploding um it is it is later described as he was captain for 12 minutes and managed to save 800 lives uh, but he does die in the process and young james kirk grows up uh, a bit of a rebel but is eventually talked into joining starfleet mm -hmm. where he eventually gets aboard the enterprise along with other known characters young versions of known characters including spock including bones including ohura including scotty Chekhov, uh sulu the gang's all there guys <laughs> have i missed anyone no that's them that's all of them right yeah uh sad for whoever i did miss eh? uh, <laughs> uh yeah pike's there yep um and uh they what the the main crux of the story is that the the big ship that came out of nowhere and blew up the calvin um was following spock from the future through a wormhole uh where they got sucked in and are now trying to get back because the leader of this these evil guys is named nero who is yeah the the this like rom romulan mm romulan yep. and in the future the fa the planet of romuloid or whatever it's romulus, called romulus got blown up uh and spock who was an ambassador for them at the time was unable to save the planet um and so he's gone back in time to uh get his revenge basically nero nero's stuck there for 25 years whereas spock is only there for a few days because of how the time travel works um and he blows up the planet klingon no the planet vulcan mm -hmm. uh as a show of like this is how mad i am um and for our for for this movie spock played by zachary quinto um this is obviously a massive deal whereas leonard nimoy spock who, who shows up in this is like that sucks um 
I don't know, I always get the vibe from Leonard Nimoy's Spock in this that he's like, well, I lived a full life with Vulcan intact, so I'm not too upset. Well, know? he's also, um, he's done a lot more to purge himself of emotion than yeah, Zach right. McQuinto. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, they fight Nero before he can destroy Earth, and they save the day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a the whole thing that uh, Leonard Nimoy, Spock shows up spot prime mm-hmm. and which i remember being like a plot to, it was like one of these things where it was like there's aliens in the new indiana jones yeah. it was one of these things which i feel like someone told me before i saw it but when you watch this movie in the introductory scene when the captain of the calvin ship goes to talk to nero there's like a little hologram that's right in the center of the screen that has leonard nimoy's spock like circling around on it and it's like well they really just tell you right mm. from the start that spot that leonard nimoy's in it and then the other thing you pointed out while watching it is that he appears in the film before scotty as well yeah he's in the film he, yeah that's so he, funny well he shows up I in guess, about an hour and then yeah they they go find scotty it's more that scotty's in the film weirdly late yeah yeah and because like i i'd seen this film before it was the only star trek film i'd seen at all I didn't mm. even see the sequels to this. Uh, and I remember it being like Spock appears like start of the third act mm. and Simon Pegg plays Scotty. And so you, you're thinking that these things are going to be like, you know, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the order of how important those things feel. But yeah, Scotty, it's Spock shows up weirdly early in mm. this film and Scotty's in it after Spock's introduced. Uh, old Spock. Yeah. Old Spock. Old Spock. <laughs> uh yeah so thank you for that description and so yeah this film takes place in like an alternate reality from the yeah. original it was sort of jj abrams had said that he he dropped he dropped off star trek essentially he never saw nemesis he thought it became disconnected from the original series he said um he was more of a fan of star wars growing up and that uh, Star Trek was always about Kirk and Spock, and then anything else was just something they'd slap the name on. And you know what? I agree. Yeah. That's a really astute observation of at least how I feel about Star Trek. Yeah, but he, so he was originally just brought on as a as a producer. It was a bad robot thing. But then after reading the script, he was like, "I'm gonna be so jealous of whoever gets to make this." So he decided to step in as director. And yeah, it's interesting. So. Like it's one of these funny films where it's like it's got ninety four percent of Rotten Tomatoes, but mm. I just remember hearing so much like bad shit about it at the time because I I saw this on DVD like a year after or something like that, and then I saw Into Darkness in the cinema and then I saw Beyond on TV like six months after it came out, but the I the the one thing that I think we need to address is the use of lens flares in this film. Did you find it distracting? I don't I don't I never thought it was distracting. It's just it's just a visual style. I mean, I noticed them because I was looking for them, but I think if no one had made fun of JJ Abrams for lens flares, mm. I maybe wouldn't have noticed before. Yeah. And isn't there like there's like behind the scenes footage of him like flashing a, ca- a flashlight into the camera yeah. lens at one point? Like you say, yeah, yeah it was just a uh, yeah, I don't know. A choice. Yeah. Yeah, kid are you able to explain to me the the calvin timeline thing and how how this is an alternate reality all right god i thought you were going to ask me to explain lens flares to you and i was going to be like richard (laughs) no 
I don't know how they work. <laughs> Light displacement? Is that right? That's a guess. Using bigger words I don't really understand. The Calvin timeline. Well, okay. Is this... Because the the, the fact that it's different actors mm. playing the characters suggests that it's an alternate dimension, almost like a Marvel yeah. multiverse kind of situation where sometimes in some universes people look a bit different but the way it's treated is that it's because of time travel which should mean that chris pine is going to grow into william shatner no i think that so the original series plays out some point after what we've seen of the original series spock travels back in time and now the timeline has skewed off into this tangent and so because of all these events although yeah i guess because i was gonna say that that's the point they he goes before the point of after the point of conception so it can't be that it's a different sperms and it's already over but yeah 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 uh so basically the, the he goes back in time and because like in the uh, presumably in the original series mm. timeline the uss calvin was yeah. never destroyed they talk about um in the film spock say old spock says that uh kirk used to talk about yeah. his father very fondly and that he inspired him so in the original the shatner version knew was dead george george kirk is alive um or at least he was uh for the majority of his life um so this is yeah this is different this is uh that because the calvin was destroyed um kirk grew up in a different uh environment and nero was a force that didn't used to be in the Mm. past but now is and because of that the planet vulcan gets destroyed so that's these are that that's like what has disrupted this version of the timeline and why certain things are different i think this is really only relevant for the first film i feel like yeah the the other ones are just just, sequels to that yeah it's just star trek i think quinto spock does mention that he that uh vulcan was destroyed a couple of times but yeah Mm. what did you think of the film I thought this was such a good time. Mm. Fuck, this is a good time. Yeah. Uh, I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten what it was like, wh- how I felt about it the first time I saw it. The main thing I remember was first time I saw it. I was it was two thousand nine. I was sixteen. I went with my high school girlfriend. Richard. Nice. You don't often hear me tell high school girlfriend stories, Richard, and that's because I had one and a half. We went on one day when we were going to start. No, and she lost the tickets, and I had to buy us new tickets to it. And she was very apologetic. Um, and I wanted to make out in the cinema and she did not want to make out in the cinema. But that's her choice and I respected it and did not push because I right, But you are still going not... on about it 14 years later, AJ. Oh, she still lost the tickets. What <laughs> uh, so, but no, watching it this time, I was like, what this is, is this is Star Trek with a budget we've never seen before. Hmm. And I can imagine for Star Trek fans that would have been pretty fucking cool. Because it's pretty fucking cool regardless, right? But, like, there are so many action sequences in this that I was like, this is exhilarating. Mm. This is so good. The bit where Kirk and Sulu have to, like, paraglide onto the drill. Oh, my God, what an exciting yeah. scene that was. I thought that was so cool. And then the, yeah, the, the final battle with Nero, like, all these really expertly uh, directed scenes. And I've spent every year since 2019 
thinking J.J. Abrams was a bad director, actually. Mm. And then you watch Star Trek, and it's like, this is like his best film. Mm. Like, this is so good, and it's so... The, the like, dynamics between the characters are so good. One thing that I think this movie has over the original series movies is that because it's not falling back on a pre-existing tv show like i feel like the these these movies have given me way better of an idea of who like sulu or yeah, yeah, for sure. are as characters you know like they they take back seats in almost all of the original series movies and in this it was well, like they sit right at the front though that's they take front seats yeah um but in this it's like okay no like sulu has a role to play and he's got a, a character and dare i say an arc you yeah. know like they, they're all so well crafted um and yeah, I, I thought this was great. I thought this was a great time. What do you think? Yeah, I, I really like this movie. It's just a, like it's just a lot of fun, is is the main thing. And also, I mean, you mentioned a few people there, but like, I mean, what a cast as well. That like, you know, let's talk about the cast. Mm. Because the thing is that, like, you know, in the original one, you're beholden to the, like the, the, these actors in the original are all iconic. But you know, in this one, it's like you literally have your pick of the litter, like. Because mm. so many people grew up in Hollywood grew up as Trekkies and would jump mm. at the chance to play one of these characters. And so Chris Pine has sort of talked a little bit about how, like, he wrote to William Shatner when he got the role and Shatner, you know, wholeheartedly approved. And, but he decided to not do, like, trying to be Shatner. He studied more, like, yeah. Han Solo, at Indiana Jones, and, like, um, Tom, uh, Tom Cruise in um, <laughs> Top Gun. Like, those kind of characters. It's like, you need, like, the cocky sort of alpha and mm. emulate the same kind of character. And then, obviously, you know, Zachary Quinto was on set with Leonard Nimoy and so had that as a resource. Um, but, yeah, it's, a, it's interesting. There's, I remember an episode of The Big Bang Theory... <laughs> where mm -hmm. they made some, it was there was something about Sheldon didn't want to try something new and Leonard was just like Zachary Quinto and that's like shorthand for like sometimes new things can be pretty good and so yeah, it's it's yeah. it was funny that they, like you know as my sort of glimpse into what the general nerddom thinks although big bang's theory is very much a jock's idea of nerds but like <laughs> you know leonard nimoy as spock is like you know one of the all-time sort of performances and then yeah yeah i i i, I thought that was a, a, a funny and cute little joke that it's like and then, because, you know, Sheldon's like, oh, every time, blah, 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 Zachary Quinto, Zachary Quinto. Because <laughs> um, yeah. he's great in the role. Uh, Sheldon. Yeah, yeah, he won a bunch of Emmys. <laughs> um, so uh, let's let's talk about what each actor is doing yeah. um, with their role. I, I feel like I can't really talk on Uhura, Sulu, and Chekhov. I think they are, they are I'm too, not familiar enough with the characters to be able to judge how Zoe Saldana, John Cho, or Anton Yelchin like approached the mm. roles. Though I do like the character, all those all three characters yeah. in these movies. I reckon. So as you said, Chris Pine's Kirk is regardless of Shatner's Kirk. It feels like it's 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 as you say, it's more of like a, a homage to the archetype of the rogue yeah. captain than Shatner specifically. There's a little bit of the like implied promiscuity of mm. Shatner as like front front force in the Chris Pine version. Mm. Especially um, the first one. Yep. Yeah. 
and uh zachary quinto's spock i think is spock as we haven't seen him before so you can't be like you can't be like he's not doing it right because it's like well no this is spock before he had his emotions in check Mm. and and all what's like a key plot point in this film as well is that kirk has to compromise him emotionally and Mm. get spock Mm. so mad to the point where he fucking beats the shit out of him yeah yeah um I think that Simon Pegg wants the role too much and Mm. his Scotty is very eager in a way which feels not as authentic as the other characters. Mm. And I've also heard before, apparently he's doing like the worst Scottish accent, which I couldn't tell. No, I think he's doing um, good. It's it's a different region than from what... So it's a blend of like East and West Coast because I think his wife, he has a Scottish wife who he learnt from who's Glaswegian and he has a Scottish wife named Maureen. My dad also has a Scottish wife named Maureen. Uh, Your mum? Yeah. And, yeah, but I think the uh, James Doohan, who plays the original Scotty, is from the, the other coast, sort of thing. And, things. and so it's like, it's a little bit of a blend, but yeah. I guess Simon Pegg feels like the one doing a, a subpar impression right, yeah. of the, the character. Although I do love when he's like, she's, I'm giving it all she's got, Captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was one thing that my Star Trek loving father would say all the time. When yeah, I was nice. Up. Yeah, there's a lot. I, I remember him talking in interviews about like little things that he'd picked up that he slipped into the movie. One was, um, how don't we, man? Just hold on, little man, like a wee man. Because <laughs> nice, um, nice. he's got his little assistant, yeah. who's played by Deep Roy from the... Are you kidding? Yeah. I didn't know that was Deep Roy. Yeah, yeah, from That's the, great. Um, he, Deep Roy died recently. Yeah. No. No, is Deep Roy still alive? I don't think so. Or you Google it, Mr. Fast Googler. A reference, That's a reference to last to week's episode. episode. That cousin hasn't come out. <laughs> oh, no, it has come out. It has come out last week. No, you're still alive. Yeah. Um, uh, but, okay, Carl Urban as Bones McCoy incredible mm. this is the this no one else is doing what he's doing which is weirdly the thing you'd expect which is like a very um i don't know true impersonation like it's it's an impersonation of deforest kelly but it's so good that it's it doesn't have the same pitfalls that i think simon Pegg's has right. like carl urban is my favorite part of this trilogy Interesting. he just he he just gets it and he um he would do things or say things and there'd be a look and i'd be like i've seen six performances by deforest kelly so i'm by no means an expert Mm. but he just was doing it but he sold it as his own thing and i think because it's such a it is a quite a specific role i reckon bones they toned down the racism which is good that's that's true well he still calls him a green-blooded bastard and and beyond third one um but i think that that like uh bones is of all the characters that we know of from star trek bones is somewhere in between the like we actually put effort into writing unique characters of kirk and spock Mm. but not as like just a caricature like scotty or Mm. Chekhov, right so he's a bit more he's got this this complexity to them that i don't think the other characters have and i just thought carl obama was so great at playing this like angry person this angry angry man who's just fed up with everything and i think it's great because i couldn't sell damn it man i'm a doctor not a whatever like all (laughs) these catchphrases things which he says over and over again um and those are hard things to sell it's hard to sell someone else's catchphrase when you're playing that character uh but i think he does it really well and there's also a great little um 
sort of in any other prequel i'd call it a roll your eyes moment where when he first meets kirk and he's like my damn ex-wife's taking everything from me clothes off my back all i got left is my bones and it's like oh fuck it's bones (laughs) (laughs) i I really like carlo barnum as well i think he's the best part wow what do you think of uh leonard nimoy so warm and lovely and gentle and like i feel like I'm really interested in Spock, Leonard Nimoy's Spock as a, as a character now, mm. more so than I ever was before. Like, it's kind of this like, it's this like, oh, I get it now kind of thing. That's what these movies have yeah, yeah, got yeah. me to the point where it's like, this really is like an all-timer performance, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and he also makes a small appearance in Into Darkness, which we'll get to. But mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so he played Spock for 47 years. Um, wow, and also, interestingly, he played awesome. Spock, he's played Spock in six consecutive decades. Holy shit. She so played him in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. The last original series movie comes out in 91 and then he so the mm. 90s and then he plays him in 2009, yeah. 2000s and then Into Darkness in the 2010s. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. That's fucking insane, yeah. eh? Yeah, yeah. And he's still got it. Well, not he's still I remember 3 days before he died. I like his last tweet was like life is a garden, you know, enjoy it was something like Water that. It. And it was like water it water it <laughs> water your life i'm gonna look up leonard nimoy's last tweet oh no you're gonna do it faster than me like life a life is like a garden perfect moments can be had but not preserved except in memory Lap. what a <laughs> i live like a prosper no. what a like lucid thought for a tweet days before your mortality well, fuck have you listened you know? to david bowie's final album True, came out true. the day before he yeah. died and it's like a reflection on b- accepting mm. death it's wow. insane <laughs> wow. it's a great album that's awesome um did you see um james can's last tweet what was it it was like oh no not ray sad face <laughs> isn't that brutal <laughs> isn't that just the saddest tweet ever do you remember lance reddick's last tweet like what, what the what the dog's doing? <laughs> yeah, it's dog videos. Yeah, well, there wasn't actually great. like his last tweet. I don't know what it was, but yeah, he just was like they had this ongoing series about these mm, dogs making dog. noise. Oh, that's so sad. Lance Reddick felt like he couldn't die. Eh? Mm. Like he so consistently played characters with an air of immortality to them. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I spoke to him like a week before he died as well. That's right. Yeah. You said you're going to die in seven days. Yeah. This won Star Trek its only to date uh, Academy Award for Best Makeup. Nice. It's also the only film called Star Trek. Yeah. It's not a I was trying Godzilla to Godzilla think... 2014 situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of there's a franchise we covered recently where it's like real far into it before you get the first thing that's actually just named that. And I think I think it must have been Chucky. That it's like the right. Chucky TV series that started in 2019. Oh, didn't we talk about this recently? Yeah. Didn't we like have a riff on it? So it'll be... Because um, it has to be Chucky, surely. Because that's the only one I can think of. But I'm like, we talked about this recently. Or was it Scooby-Doo? Yeah, it would have been Scooby-Doo. Yeah, because yeah, Scooby-Doo... Or Han- Hannibal? Yeah. But that's not that far into the franchise. Because, yeah, the original Scooby-Doo TV series is called Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Hmm. what on earth is happening to this dog (laughs) the last time i'll speak to my mouth (laughs) there's shout out to rivex on the discord who makes posters from 
the joke names we give certain movies my favorite one is this is the last time i'll speak to my mouse son <laughs> from Stuart little uh so th- there was um a scene written for william shatner in this movie that they offered it to him and he was essentially like no i want to roll as big as leonard's and mm. they were like well you know you died in generations and he was like mm. you can canonize my novel where he gets resurrected because he wrote a novel called the return <laughs> and there's a yes. a series of novels yes, dubbed shatner. the snap yes, the, the fucking day bro yeah uh so there's <laughs> the shatnerverse of novels where kirk gets wow. resurrected and there's a few sequels to it and uh yeah no they said uh they said you know then it would become this whole thing about kirk being resurrected and rather than trying to introduce this new thing but uh yeah leonard nimoy said that he didn't like the kirk's death in generations but felt resurrecting kirk would be detrimental to the film <laughs> and there was a scene or so, so the, nichelle nichols suggested playing uhura's grandmother but uh Interestingly, Abrams actually couldn't write that into the script because of the writer's strike. Wow. There we go. Mm. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. One of the things that people often criticize this movie for is that the thing of J.J. Abrams clearly just wanted to make a Star Wars film, not a Star Trek film. Mm. What do you think of that criticism? Uh, it's, it's interesting. I, I so, guess- bef- sorry, before you answer that, like, I feel like we have a much clearer... Uh, like what what uh, what a star wars film is was different in 2009 than it is now mm. because we've you know uh, almost doubled the amount of them that we have yeah and dare i say it's more star trekky than it is star warsy now you reckon well i mean look at like first of all it's, it's primarily tv shows yeah and they're boring and these t- these boring tv shows much like star trek <laughs> <laughs> pissing off everyone uh, but they're you know they're monster or mission of the week hmm. stories about exploring the universe like the mandalorian is just Mandaboring. pedro pascal and star trek um but i think like i guess like that was a hard thing for me to understand without having seen any star trek movies i guess th- there is a star wars equality to them it's just more action um, the fact that it's more action-packed i guess it's more action-packed there's more darkness there's they go into darkness a lot more mm. you could probably call any of them into darkness to be honest yeah, well. um and and i think that like if i was to say what makes this uh what would make a movie star trekky it's like it's kind of like i think what makes star trek star trek is like you've got cinematic stakes but a budget that doesn't allow for cinematic scope yeah, yeah. so you've got to be weird with it and you've got to be strange with it uh and so star trek at least how we've seen it um have has this like uh je ne sais quoi to it mm. where it's like it's implying a lot larger of a universe than it's financially able to show yeah. maybe yeah it was interesting like there's a lot of the aliens and shit that you see in this because you know you watch the original series and it's like oh look at those freaky aliens and it's like oh they've got pointy ears and stuff because but you know in this one you get like fully different creature designs which is mm-hmm. yeah and That's it's one of those Star things Wars. that i i do wonder had gene roddenberry you know been alive now how much he actually what, like wanted to do that five yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like is this something mm, yeah. that they were actually just like couldn't do because they because of limitations or is it like 
they wanted to do it yeah like i was that. watching these movies and i was like what would Roddenberry even think of this movie? Yeah. Like, I have no gauge on what the man likes. I know he he didn't like conflict. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to say about 2009 film? No, no, that's good. All right, yeah, moving on. So four years later, Star Trek Into Darkness came out. Uh, this one, also directed by J.J. Abrams. This one won. Yeah. This one. This won the best picture. <laughs> what do you think this one has on Ron Tomatoes? So this is like, everyone's like J.J. Abrams and sequels, am I right? And I'd never seen this before. So I was led to believe that this was appalling, yeah. an appalling film. But I didn't think it was that bad. I'd be I'd be quite surprised if it was uh, less than fresh. Uh, it's 84%. That's great. What a great score mm. for a movie. This, this is, and we'll get to this after you sort of recount the plot, but this is, in amongst Trekkies, this is like one of the most hated Star Trek films. <laughs> fucking trickies man yeah it's so, so funny it's like the the textbook idea of like a, a nerd you know mm. like a f- fanatic um i mean i guess it would be it's the original yeah uh fan base yeah. the original toxic fan base but the yeah it's interesting because i know that um we've talked about on i think the last episode we mentioned as well about getting andrew todd on an episode short uh once we've finished this star trek series to ask all our you know, I'm actually all of our incorrect yeah. statements and for us to ask any questions. And I know he's, he's given this one star on letterboxd referred to it as a film with no Wait. ideas. And I know for a fact, he yelled out. Fuck you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he wants, I don't know if he wants, well, you can say it. We'll ask him after this before releasing okay. it. If he's okay with that. I'm story. pretty sure he's, he's proud of it. I think he t- he's tweeted about it. But anyway, I'm pretty sure he, he yelled out. Fuck you, JJ Abrams, in the middle of the screening of this. So I'm saying he might not want us to keep this in because it makes him look bad, but he might be like, yeah, keep it in. It makes me look great. Yeah, I look real hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, what is this film about? So we are um, a few years on. The Enterprise is, you know, functioning and operating um, perfectly fine. Um, and then uh, we find out that... Uh, someone is terrorist attacking starfleet and who is it why that's benedict cumberbatch john harrison and like yeah they're like his name is normal name uh and you have to go find normal name and um bring him to custody no don't bring him to custody the head of starfleet is like blast 72 torpedoes at his location um but his location is on klingon uh which I thought the planet's not called Klingon. The it's Klingon homeworld. It's called um, Kronos. Kronos, yeah, yeah. I, isn't this interesting? In these three movies, if if before we'd watched this franchise, you said AJ name ten Star Trek things, mm. Klingon is gonna be in the first five. Yeah, could have said name five things. I don't know why. <laughs> but but we we this is this is the only time that we go to Kronos and you see one Klingon. In the well, and, they're, and they're wearing um helm. I, I I did think about that because they're wearing these like helmets that are covering the the iconic bumps the on their ridges. foreheads. Yeah, the ridges. And I do wonder if there was that sort of discussion of like they look too silly. In in like modern technology, they just look too silly. 
and so they put right. those on to be like, no, no, it's part of their armor. It's not actually well, like the one. The one that you see, I thought looked pretty cool. Yeah, but I guess I guess I just think it's interesting that you have three movies where the whole impetus is like a modern, high budget yeah. take on these things you love, and across these three movies, you see one unmasked Klingon. Like that's one of the that's the that and Vulcan was the only thing. I, the only alien race I knew so about. So you, you could have put a, a, you could have just said name two things. Just said name two things, and I always confuse Vulcan and Klingon anyway. So, mm. um, anyway, they go, they go, they go to this Klingon planet, and they get attacked by Klingons. Um, but then John Harrison saves them all, and upon finding out that they have seventy-two torpedoes to fire at him, he's like, "I surrender, take me aboard," because Kirk was ordered by um Robocop, <laughs> Peter Weller's character, to uh kill john harrison yeah but spock basically is like hey buddy that's actually a war crime Mm. um and that's not what we're not a military organization um so he decides to take him in instead uh, and we find out that the the 72 torpedoes are actually uh cryo tubes containing other superhumans like john harrison whose name is not john harrison richard but all of the marketing and pre-interviews told me that his name was simply john harrison his name, his name is even simpler than John Harrison. And it's one you've heard before. Oh. That's right. Benedict Cumberbatch plays Wrath. Sorry, Khan. He plays Khan in this movie. And he tells them, my name is Khan. I have no idea how similar or different his uh, characterization is to um, who Khan was in the original mm. series. I also don't know if he really embodies the character at all in any way other than name. Uh, but it gives us a tie back to some classic star, star Shrek. Uh, and uh, anyway, it turns out that Peter Weller, the head of Starfleet is also evil. Um, and he wants to start a war with Klingon with, with Kronos, which he believes is inevitable. Um, but also Khan is also evil. And so they're caught in sort of this, like in between of like the Federation are trying to kill them and Khan's trying to kill them. Um, it results in Kirk's death and a death that parallels Spock's death from wrath of Khan. Uh, and, but this time he's brought back to life in the same movie. Mm. And there was a moment where I was like, is Star Trek beyond about them going to save Kirk from like heaven? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, like a pirates of the Caribbean at world's end situation. And if that's true, have I really just avoided being spoiled that Kirk dies at the end of into darkness for all these years, Mm. you know, like that seems impossible Uh, because him being Khan was spoiled to me the week the movie yeah. came out didn't mean anything to me we made a cult popcorn like, okay. video about it we did yes that's right a uh, cult popcorn um and, and i was uh, wrong so, in the video as well we mm. well I'll, I'll explain after uh, this but yeah okay okay uh and but they managed to bring kirk back to life by using khan's um resurrecting blood qualities and then while i was thinking about this movie two hours later i was like wait what happens to khan like they focus so much on Kirk coming back to life that I was like, does do they just forget to type? But he's, he gets refrozen yeah. again and put in the torpedo, um, which I think sets a strange ethical standard for something that's that's so much about like this idea of a utopia as Star Trek is like, do we really like, are we really freezing a different race of humans mm. because they're too dangerous? 
I mean, in this case, he was too dangerous. Yeah, yeah, they made the right call. But, but, but I'm just saying, like, is there not like a more ethical workaround than to just keep them frozen? No. But the yes. I don't know, there's a whole yep. emotional arc in it as well with Spock and sort of like what Spock thinks of death and shit like that. Yeah, because I don't know. Yeah, Kirk saves his life at the start, but mm. interrupts good the stuff. prime director. I thought, hey, Andrew. I thought this was good. I thought this mm. was a good movie. <laughs> I, I enjoy it. I can see some of the the complaints that the Trekkies have. Like things like the oh, they just cured death at the end of the film is pretty lame and then they like fix everything off screen. Um Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then I think but yeah, if you are a diehard Trekkie and you love Wrath of Khan and this is a inferior a remake of Wrath of Khan at that you know, but it's like if he if you just took out the bits where they refer to him as Khan, does that improve the movie yeah. for you? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 so it's so like lip service mm. uh, to be like his name's Khan. Now he's a relevant character, mm. but is it so lip servicey that it's also silly for that to ruin the movie for yeah. you? Because he's Khan, basically, in name only. Yeah, because also they, um, Ricardo Montalban is Mexican. And so there was, you know, talk of a lot of bit of controversy about the whitewashing right. of that character. And apparently there's a, there's a, a canonical tie in comic which explains why his complexion changes. Are we not just, do we need that? Do we need that, Star Trek fans? Or is this, can we not just be like, um, we're recasting everyone. We wanted to hide that it was Khan. We, yeah. had, you know, we had some blind spots here. Yeah, we're sorry. Because you really need to do a ca- canonical tie-in comic that explains why someone's race changed. Yeah, it's some like eugenics program or something like that. Like, but he uh, originally, uh, uh, Benicio del Toro was originally in talks. Oh. That would have been way cool. Yeah. Are you kidding me? And that's such a what like a, that's such a better calm. Yeah. And like just don't hide that it's calm. Yeah. Fuck it. You're gonna get more people seeing the movie that way. Yeah. So JJ Abrams, a couple of years after the film came out, addressed some of these shortcomings in an interview and has like since basically said um that he shouldn't have kept the secret. Um so he said the dynamic of Kirk and Spock's relationship wasn't really clear in the film for keeping the identity of Khan a secret. Uh, he said he was trying to preserve the fun for the audience and not just tell them something that the characters don't learn for 45 minutes into the movie. So the audience wouldn't be so ahead of it. And he said there were certain things he was unsure of. Any movie has fundamental conversation happening for into darkness. I didn't have it. The problems with the plot are not anyone's fault, but mine or frankly, anyone's problem, but mine. The script was a little bit of a collection of scenes that were written by my friends, and yet I found myself frustrated by my choices and unable to hang my hat on an undeniable thread of the main story. So then I found myself on that movie basically tap dancing as well as I could to try and make the sequences as entertaining as possible. I would never say that I don't think the movie ended up working, but I feel like it didn't work as well as it could have, and I had made had I made some better decisions before we started shooting. This is a harrowing insight into the mind of J.J. Abrams after directing an 84% pretty good movie in a franchise. What the fuck must he be thinking after Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Jesus Christ. If that's how hard he is on himself for a movie that was, I would think, 
perfectly i thought it was fun i thought it was a good time the opening scene was fun i liked all the stuff about like um how like they accidentally prove aliens to a species that have barely discovered the wheel Mm. i was like this is great i love like next to um warp speed being the like great filter that that species have to pass through i love that they class planets like this way Mm. and that they essentially become like an early ufo cave painting for this race great yeah awesome stuff you know love that because that's the whole Um, thing about the um the prime directive um mm. is that you don't interfere you just observe Mm, mm, yeah uh so awesome that's all great uh you know like I'm just like like the the fallout to Rise of Skywalker, ten times the fallout of Into Darkness. Yeah, and this is how hard he took Into Darkness. The man must be miserable. He hasn't directed anything since yeah, Rise I was thinking of Skywalker. Like, I was just, and it's it's no wonder. Yeah, what's he up to? He's doing some shows for HBO Max. Yeah, he's just executive producing a bunch of shit. Yeah, he does. He was he was attached to a Superman movie at one point, but not anymore. Superman Flyby that was 20, over twenty years ago, but yeah. Oh, well, he was. I think he was attached to something more recent, but okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I I I enjoyed this movie. I remember so clearly that it was like, uh, we were at Buzzard uh, Broadcasting School when this came out, and we there was a group of us that realized like we didn't have anything to do for like three hours, like technically didn't have anything to do. And so we were like, should we just like go to the movies? And like, you know, if the teachers notice, like we'll, we'll just walk out and come back. But I reckon we could probably get away with this. So we went to the movies, like just in the middle of class. Um, Cause yeah, it was like a study period with, you know, one of these things where you just had to achieve whatever by the end of the day. Um, and yeah, we went, we all had a good time, and yeah, this is I hadn't seen it since then, but I remembered enjoying it at the time. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. we talk about titles a lot on this podcast. Very important mm. part of this podcast. Like, very excited to talk about this. Title. I'm very excited to talk about this title because one of my like favorite pieces of trivia that I, I I've brought this out so many times is that uh, if you if you listening to this, if you, I know AJ, you know what I'm talking about here, but Wikipedia, when you make an edit, there is a talk page which is like a tab that for Wikipedia editors where you go on and be like, I've made this uh, change. Here's why the Wikipedia talk page for Star Trek into darkness has 40 over 40,000 words on it written just about whether the I and into darkness should be capitalized. This is great. So the question is this, 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 the the talk page debate has its own Wikipedia page. Yes, this is what we talk about titles a lot on this podcast. This is what it's been preparing us yeah. for, right? Because the 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 question it's a very um. Do you ever see a man say goodbye to a shoe situation, mm. where the question is: Is the title a subtitle situation? Star Trek colon Into Darkness, yep. as in the same way that um Paranormal Activity, the marked yep. ones, is you know. Or is it a look who's talking to yeah. situation where the title is Star Trek Into Darkness? Yes, yeah, it's Star Trek are, Into Darkness or Star Trek Into Darkness. Star Trek Into Darkness. And it's not helped by the fact that the next one, Star Trek Beyond, could also be Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, And it's almost like that's the, that's the titling scheme of the Kelvin timeline mm. is... 
it's Star Trek, and then it, sent- it, it creates a sentence, which I like. I'm personally in the camp that it is Star Trek into darkness. Yeah. So, yeah, Damon um, Lindelof said that they struggled to agree on a title and apparently more uh, he joked that there's more conversations about what to call it than how to shoot it um mm. and he said there's no Do we have some alternate titles uh, there's what well, no no but the there's no word that comes after the colon after star trek that's cool not that star trek and insurrection or first contact aren't good titles it's just that everything that people are it's just that everything that people are turned off about when it comes to trek is represented by the colon um he of the titles proposed. Interesting. He joked that he preferred his favorite was Star Trek Transformers Four because the title is technically available. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the the, the d- debate about the whether or not it should be capitalized is that prepositions fewer than five letters aren't capitalized. So in into and things like that wouldn't be capitalized in a uh. title like that. Yeah, and. But if it's the Your first experience. word of a subtitle, then it would be capitalized. Um, mm. And so all for, for a long time. What is it? What is it currently sitting? It's, at? So so in end of January 2013. So before the movie even came out, this debate was solved, <laughs> um, and it's yeah. capitalized. For a long time, it was like um, Star Trek Into Darkness, lowercase, and then the it would. Um, in parentheses, say, usually written as Star Trek Into Darkness, capitalized. Um, mm. But then a consensus was reached. Uh, but yeah, there was an XKCD comic about it. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, it's... It's, yeah, super interesting. I mean, I prefer... Because the, the fact that it's capitalized essentially means that it is treated as a subtitle. Right, so I I want my cake and eat it too in this situation. Yeah. I want to think of it as the titling scheme for the Kelvin timeline is turning Star Trek into a sentence, mm. so Star Trek into darkness. But I also think it would be weird to give the I a lower, to give into a lowercase I mm. instead of just capitalizing every word. I I know that it, I guess into is a is a preposition, mm. but it feels like a less common preposition. Mm. Than if it was like the word into doesn't you know, look this, like a word anymore. I've read it so many times now. <laughs> but you know, you don't hear you whereas compared to and or the, like if this was Star Trek and release, I don't know, you know, like then of course it'd be mm. Star Trek and release. That's a great time. <laughs> <laughs> like then of course the A would be lowercase. But because into it feels like a less common preposition, I would feel very strange about it not being uh, capitalized um on letterboxd for the record i looked the, at this it is a cap it is capitalized mm. so that seems to be the unit standard for how to spell the title across all the platforms mm. now yeah what do you think of that freaking mm. hot scene where alice eve takes all her clothes off um gratuitous and unnecessary and in the literally in the trailer mm. the one shot of her wearing in her underwear mm is the 100% of it is in the trailer and it's the only thing in the movie that's even remotely like scandalous mm. so funny actually no is it in this one you see kirk in bed with like some triplets or something some like alien no. <laughs> is that I can't the third one? this one yeah I can't um, but i remember seeing that actually i think it was this one yeah it was mm. this one because i remember thinking like doesn't this feel dated in kind of, mm. of, of of a way like i feel like that kind of gag now we would we would be like a little bit like 
oh, this is so chauvinistic mm. and male gazy. Um, but this was like right on the cusp, yeah. right that before they star trekked into cancel culture. Um, <laughs> and well, the, the 20, 2014 um, iCloud leak was a big turning point. True, the fapping. <laughs> um, and I also think there's a moment in Star Trek two thousand nine where when he first meets Ahura and he's like flirting with her and then he gets beaten up by someone and he falls over and like perfectly cups her breasts with his hands as he like falls onto her and he looks up at her and sort of like gives a cheeky grin and she like shoves him away and again I feel like 2009 feels very late in the timeline for a movie to still have a man grabs woman's breasts jokes those were all over the show kangaroo fucking jack mm. remember that like kangaroo fucking jack my dick <laughs> when i saw that scene. <laughs> um, but, but because like and then and i don't know there's like a I mean, the same joss, thing happened joss in, whedon put joss the, whedon that's just what i was about in to say age of Ultron and, his, and in justice league they like yeah uh, the flash falls into wonder woman's cleavage and these feel like jokes the last spurts of a last generation of perverts Mm. (laughs) you know what i mean like it's just such a uh, it feels very specific to an era Mm. and i guess that era it's the end of an era 2009 yeah yeah Yeah. it's interesting but yeah like so damon lindelof like apologized for that scene on twitter and was like you know i'll try to do better and all the stuff and then which scene sorry the, the alice eve scene um with her, right. her in her underwear millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me get your personalized plan today at noom.com Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Alice Eve has said that she never saw the controversy in it, never felt pressured to do it or anything like that, and was happy to show off her body that she'd worked out so hard. Um, JJ Abrams, I remember he was on Conan. A couple, a couple of things. Like, I remember he was on Conan before this movie came out and was like, where i'm we're currently editing it um i'm able i brought a clip but the studio said you know it has to be really short so here is three frames of into darkness and it's a shot of spock in the volcano um from the start of the film but yeah he went on conan one time and they talked about the alice eve scene he's like well you know fear is fear but there was a deleted scene in the film that i think evens the playing field a little bit and he played this little clip that there was a deleted scene of khan having a shower and so there's like this shirtless Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, yeah, but who's? I feel like that's not an even playing field. <laughs> I mean, oh, t- Mate, 2013 no. Benedict Cumberbatch. Like when uh, he's always looked like a bug, dude. Like, no, but if, no, but he was he was a, a sex symbol at the time. I feel like right, he is less right. so now. But like, my God, people were thirsting over him at the time. And when we, I was watching the film with Jess, and she was like, "When did Benedict Cumberbatch stop being cool?" Doctor Strange. Yeah, that's sort of what we said. When he started doing American accents, mm. but yeah, because I mean, like, what do you think of him in this? Uh, it was cool to see him. I think he's he's pretty good in it. Yeah. I thought the um the scene where him and Kirk have to like they're in like astronaut suits and they basically have to like ride the gravitational pull mm. to another ship. 
Um, there was there's the best scene in the movie. Mm, I thought really I thought cool. that was super captivating, and I liked I liked the character play between the two of them. And I, I um, like how even in the like in the on the Enterprise, they're like having to help Khan and be like, mm, "Oh, you got to mm, you got debris," and he's like, "Yep, I see yeah, it." And and <laughs> and Khan saves him, mm. saves Kirk, who goes off course. That was a great scene, and like I liked that dynamic a lot. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I have anything more to say. I think I think the ending of the film is just kind of like it wraps up oh, too yeah. quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, like, stop Crash the Enterprise. I've seen. Yeah, it. it's weird to destroy it in this and then in Beyond as well. Yeah, you see a lot of um, innocent crew members get sucked out of the Enterprise. In this yeah, film. and and when, it, when it's Kirk doesn't give a shit. Kirk does not give a shit, and it also begs the question: like, how often does this happen? Does this yeah. happen? And what does a contract look like when you? join starfleet to go on these mm. missions like I, I guess like i wouldn't go on enterprise knowing how yeah, God, no. f- frequent people get sucked out into the vacuum of space yeah I, there is like um well uh yeah there's a there's a joke in the film that sort of references that when like uh you know kirk's like check off come on me chuck on a red shirt and he's like oh mm, yeah 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 because yeah, there's like Which red I, I, shirts. Is like we haven't talked about it at all in this, but yeah, it's like a term for you know it's a trope now. Of do you talk about yeah. the red shirts that accompany the main characters, and they're people that are just mm. cannon fodder essentially, and it comes from because yeah. I, I think it's like the color of engineering or something like that. So they're the people that are always in the lower decks and they were expendable. That's what I was going to say is like, oh, it's not, it's kind of interesting that like how many main characters wear red shirts mm. in the franchise, despite that, yeah yeah anything else uh you you're desperate to go through well you you mentioned before that we we made a cult popcorn video oh yeah and i was wrong yes one minute video the the point of because and this was like i remember this was very early on in our friendship and and we were um talking and i I was talking about we were still flirting with you and you were like bro that's a cult popcorn you should make it and then yeah so i i voiced it these are are they still on the channel i don't know probably yeah i don't know but they um my point was essentially that like i think the the khan reveal in star trek into darkness is better than the blofeld reveal in um fucking specter yeah because inspector it's right at the end of the film you go through the whole thing is like my name is blofeld and it's like that means nothing to james bond it means nothing to anyone it's just oh yeah you were right audience it is blofeld and then in i said that in into darkness he says khan and then they immediately ask spock prime who is khan and they get context it's like there is like 40 minutes between those two scenes (laughs) like and, and the context is essentially just like yeah fuck he's real bad and yeah it's it's it, it watching it again it's not a good reveal it, it adds nothing that he's yeah. done yeah I agree. and also now also having me. seen the wrath of khan and knowing that it's like these are yeah. completely different characters i also like having not rewatched your cop popcorn thought that the, that video was about criticizing the star trek into darkness yeah reveal. i mean maybe it was i don't know <laughs> should we cut that if only if only they were they were really quick videos we could quickly watch to get a reminder so moving on to star trek beyond as of now is star trek beyond that's what i said so this one uh jj abrams was busy directing 
the Force Awakens, and so Justin Lin took over after leaving um, the Fate of the Furious. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you think this one has on Rotten Tomatoes? So I reckon this is closer to the first one. So the last one was 84. I reckon this is like 90. 87. Hmm. Yeah, right. And what is... Uh... What does it uh, they go to they go to the far reaches of space. They're on a five year journey in space, um, and then the Enterprise gets destroyed by some crazy like assimilated ship. They crash on this planet where they, uh, you know, recoup and then have to face off against the villain who is revealed to be um, an old Starfleet captain who escaped to this planet and lived there for long enough that he went insane and he wants to like destroy Starfleet or something. Um, and he's played by Idris Elba in a role. I did not know <laughs> he had. Mm. This is more of a twist to me than, than Khan from into darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what this movie's about? Because I've got a confession to make about this movie, but I want you to tell me if I missed anything important first. Right. I, I am so sorry. I just assumed mm. you would recount the plot. And so I wasn't listening. What are you asking me? <laughs> what's the, well? You tell me what's this one about? No, that's not how it goes. Well, I just I gave it an attempt. They go to an, they go to this far off planet, mm. um, and Andrus Alba's a bad guy. Yeah. My confession: I didn't think this was that good. Like so. it's good. Yeah. It's it's fun, but I think Into Darkness is better. And I think um, I think J.J. Uh, Abrams is a better director than Justin Lin at least with these sample sizes. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. there's the whole thing of, like, the the swarm and everything like that that comes out mm. of them. I, the, the, this one, I think, won over fans, and again, this is the kind of thing to be corrected, but the, mm. it's closer to the tone of the original series. It was written by Simon Pegg and mm. um, Doug Jung, and he, and yeah, I think they, they went for a much more, it's an episodic yeah there's like everyone gets split up into little teams and stuff like that yeah. which feel very episodic and and that's that's what i didn't like especially like the whole time watching this i was just thinking like how good is to the 2009 one the mm. 2009 one which takes place over decades and not not you know parts of it do and and it and it's like all the characters sort of seamlessly melded together into one storyline that that you know travels time and space like it's so grandiose the first one and it feels like it is a significant point in a story the beginning but still Mm. a significant point in the story and i think into darkness also feels like a significant point in the story beyond feels like this could be movie three this could be movie five you know like there's no that's kind of what i like about it to be honest yeah maybe that is a good th- i i just felt like it was it was far more other than than the enterprise getting blown up again it was just way more like subdued in its spoke in its um scope i think um and i don't know i just like the bigger more complex mm. stories of the jj abrams films um 
yeah i liked parts of it it starts really good i'll say that it starts with an, a monologue from kirk basically being like getting pretty bored of space this, yeah getting pretty bored of space he even uses the word episodic yeah. which i loved yeah. he was like it's things are starting to feel episodic and i was like okay simon Pegg, give me the food to eat <laughs> this is really good stuff um and yeah, I liked all of that. I liked, again, I liked the these movies have really good internal journeys for Kirk and Spock. Like, all three of them, mm. I think, have very, very, like, satisfying, um, yeah, sort of character arcs in them. Um, and that's, that's true of this one, where they're both sort of hinting that they're ready to leave behind Starfleet mm. for different reasons. But then the fact that it ends with them just being like, ah, actually, we're going to keep doing it. It's mm. like, but why? But yeah, why? Right, like this, this, this doesn't have to be the final film in the Calvin timeline. Mm. I'm not saying commit, but I'm saying like I don't think either of them experience anything more significant than what they'd already experienced that had mm. kept them in Starfleet. And I also thought Spock's motivation to leave was because um, the older version of Spock had passed away, and he is like, I need to. Um, be with be on new vulcan mm. or whatever there's a new vulcan apparently i felt like that was quite a noble pursuit mm. for the character that yeah it wasn't um followed up on it wasn't like him staying in starfleet feels like the more selfish decision it feels like the least logical decision Ooh. if we're playing his game i don't know like i liked this but i just clocked out right toward the end mm. by the time idris alba show was you know like established as being idris alba yeah. yeah i was like oh wow but by that point i was like i've kind of lost interest in mm. the story yeah yeah i mean i kind of disappointed by this. i really like it up until yeah the sort of i guess you'd say the, the final act but i will say and this is one of those like real divisive things like so many people oh this scene fucking ruined the franchise oh that movie's so stupid Mm. the scene where they blast sabotage by the beastie boys to destroy Mm. like an actual wave of this like swarm and they like Mm. you know even you know like the actual like wave crashing and they fly inside it probably my favorite scene in the franchise it's fucking it's so sick it's great and it's like that scene is all about like what's the song yeah right and for some somehow, Richard, never seen this movie before, leading into that scene, I was like, it's going to be Beastie Boys. Yeah. <laughs> there was just something Beastie Boys about the scene. Yeah. I just knew it was going to go there. So it was <laughs> the, the sabotage plays in the first film of this trilogy. Um, uh, and so and why. Kirk says, like, good choice. And they, they mm. joke about, like, is this classical music? And they're like, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the... The other thing is that the trailer for this film was like very action oriented and featured sabotage by the Beastie Boys, which might be what you're thinking of. And right. uh, people were like, "This, this looks like shit." Because also they, you know, Simon Pegg had come out beforehand and said, "Like, yeah, this one's going to be truer to the, you know, spirit of the original series and everything." And then mm-hmm. this trailer came out, and he was like, "I don't think this represents our movie very well." Like. And he, and he said he was disappointed when he saw the trailer. Hmm. Interestingly. Interesting. But speaking yeah. of disappointments, uh, <laughs> so Sulu is revealed to be gay in this film. Uh, and which, you were disappointed by that because you're homophobic. Yeah. So uh, not I was not disappointed by that. I loved it, actually. Was, I thought it was great. Someone who was very disappointed by this was George Takei. Who played Sulu in the original <laughs> no, series? Known homosexual, uh, yeah, George like a uh, gay rights activist. Um, and so he, yeah, essentially said that 
He's like, I'm delighted there's a gay character, but it's a twisting of Gene's creation, which he put in so much thought. I think it's really unfortunate. Said that, you know, he was always like a LGBT defender, but um, he had been pushing the envelope very far and walking on a very tight rope. And if he pushed too far, i.e. making a character gay, the show wouldn't have been on the air. Anyway, and so like John Cho called him to be like, Oh, I'm, you know, like we're going to make Sulu gay as a tribute to you. And he was like, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. And <laughs> said, be imaginative, create a character who has a history of being gay rather than Sulu, who had been straight all this time, suddenly being revealed as being closeted, even though it's like, you know, the timeline doesn't necessarily make sense. And apparently uh, Justin Lin then contacted him and he again steadfastly opposed the decision saying it's coming on the 15th on the 50th anniversary of star trek uh paying tribute to gene roddenberry a man whose vision it was carried us through half a century honor him and create a new character i urged them he left me feeling like that was going to happen and then um yes simon Pegg then emailed and said like you know thanks for your advocacy for lgbt movement and and everything and he said oh how wonderful a fan letter from simon Pegg." Uh, Justin must have talked to him about it. And then, yeah, they said that they, we're going on. Now we're going, jo, John Cho called him and was like, we're going on a media tour. Um, what should I do with when people talk about the fact that Sulu's gay now? And yeah. And he just said like, nah, not, um, not fun, not a fan. But then Simon Pegg responded to that, essentially being like, with all due respect, love your work, love you as a person. Um, I think this is in line with what um, yeah, with what Gene is, would have wanted. This is so weird. I got to say, George Takei's uh, like, position on this, I think, is stupid yeah he should be he should be straight because that's the way he always was i think that yeah it's saying like no you're you're impeding gene roddenberry's vision this very progressive man who pushed the envelope it's like yeah man Mm. (laughs) listen to yourself speak what do you mean first of all let's let's not pretend like sulu is like an incredibly gay character you know it's it's one scene in the background it's very you know proto rise of skywalker if if anything i would argue it's not enough to be counted as meaningful um but like i think those are such nonsensical reasons to not want the character to be gay I think that's bananas. That's insane. Yeah. Simon Pegg's response essentially said, like, he is right. It is unfortunate. It's unfortunate that the screen version of the most inclusive, tolerant universe in science fiction has never featured an LGBT character until now. We could have introduced a new gay character, but he or she would have been primarily defined by their sexuality seen as the gay character rather than simply for who they are. And that's tokenism. And said, Justin Lin, Doug Jung, and I loved the idea of it being someone we already knew because the audience have a pre-existing opinion of that character as a human being unaffected by any prejudice. Their sexual orientation is just one of the many personal aspects, not the defining character. 
characteristic. Also, the audience would infer that there has been an LGBT presence in the Trek universe from the beginning, or at least in the Kelvin timeline, that the gay hero isn't something new or strange. It's also important to note that at no point do we suggest that our Sulu was ever closeted. Why would he need to be? It hasn't come up before. Yeah, I like his, his thing that there is like at least the Kelvin timeline, like something about Nero coming back and destroying USS Kelvin made Sulu yeah. gay. <laughs> um, but he said that it's... Um, uh, I don't think Gene Roddenberry's decision to make the prime timelines Enterprise crew was an art- straight was an artistic one, more a necessity at the time. Um, mm. The lowest rated episode ever is the one with the first interracial kiss. They weren't open minded at the time, and they forced him to modulate his innovation. So, mm. yeah. Speaking of interracial kisses. Is Uhura and Spock being an item? Is that from the Kelvin timeline, or is that? I think so. The yeah. Original series. I wonder if that pissed people off. Andrew, write it down, buddy. Yeah, thank you. I want to know what you think of of Spock Uhura. Nice. There was. I didn't mention it last episode, but I believe in Nemesis. Did you notice a problematic cameo? No, maybe remind now, me. Brian Singer, isn't it? I did not notice that. Yeah. No, yeah, he plays. A... I don't think I would know. I don't think I would recognize Brian oh, yeah. Singer if he was in a movie from that long ago. And also, but in this film, there's a scene where a uh, one of the alien, the one that has the big shit on the back of her head, um, gets yeah. saved, and this random alien, you know, covered in freaking makeup and shit, says like, "Use your normal voice" or something like that. Uh, that alien is played by none other, none other than Jeff Bezos. That son of a bitch. Yeah. He he made it into Star Trek. Yeah. He uh, yeah he's just a massive tricky. Apparently he'd been trying to get Paramount to put him in something Star Trek for a long time and joked about like the poor director that finally received the phone call being like you have to put Jeff in it, <laughs> which is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, does Jeff Bezos uh, consider the like ramifications of his role in society as a billionaire when watching Star Trek, the show about like pro- progressing humanity forward? Do you think that's lost on him? Mm. No. Mm. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the new character, Jayla? Jayla, uh, uh, I thought it was interesting that this movie introduced two female alien characters, mm. and one is killed off because she's a bad guy. They both are very similar designs. Mm. Not not exactly the same, but similar enough. Um, and that uh, neither of them felt particularly interesting. Well, and they also don't bring back Alice Eve, even though she joins the crew of the yeah. Enterprise. Yeah, I was going to say Apparently, that. Where Simon did she go? just said that they couldn't... Uh... Didn't, didn't have anything meaningful for her to do on the film. It, it is kind of like, you never want to, you don't want to make like an, a reboot of a classic series and then movie two have an original character join the cast going forward. Oh, yeah. I feel like people wouldn't like that. But the, so so Sophia Batella plays uh, Jayla. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually written for a different actress though. Mm. And do you want to take a guess at who the actress might have been? Um, let's go Charlie's Theron. No, so the the name Jayla is a is a clue. J Lo. Close. J Law. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. The part was written for Jennifer Lawrence. And 
just all throughout development they jokingly would just didn't come up with a character name and just called that character J-Law um, and then they just thought oh well we'll just leave it as that <laughs> do you know that when you look up Sophia Batella mm. on, on Google the Wikipedia link comes up and the first sentence in the preview for the Wikipedia link says her surname means the men of the mountains wow it's like why is that the first thing it's telling yeah you? tell me about her work in the mummy yeah she's an algerian actress dancer and model say that in the google preview yeah. anyway but yeah uh this this film also interestingly has like two dedications in it because it says like mm. um it's de- sorry it's dedicated to the memory of leonard nimoy but it's for anton yeah so when did anton Anton Yelchin Yelchin died? died a month before the movie came out um leonard right. nimoy died a year before it came out right interesting isn't it because well, I didn't really know about Anton Yelchin that much until he died. Like, mm. I'd seen the first Star Trek movie and thought it was, like, a relatively just unremarkable role. Mm. And then in this, I've I've been exposed the most to Anton Yelchin through this podcast because he has... This is the third time that Anton Yelchin has played, like, a previously established character because he oh, plays yeah. the main guy in the reboot of um, Fright Night, mm. in which he's great. And that movie that. fucking rocks. He, that movie fucking rocks. He played Kyle Reese in, in Terminator Salvation. Yeah. Uh, and now he's playing Chekhov, or he played Chekhov already by that point. And man, what a delightful screen presence mm. this kid had, right? Yeah. Like, what a... What it's of all the if you were if you showed me the Star Trek movies and said one of these young actors prematurely dies, you couldn't pick a more innocent, sweet one mm. to, to you know. Like I don't, it's so sad. He's he's like such an innocent and lovely dude. Um, yeah, R.I.P. Yeah, I did. I was I was wondering like if he was even going to be in this one because I thought he had died before mm. it came out. Yeah, yeah they said for a, a fourth one he wouldn't be recast hmm. um so i guess they just kill off the real fucking because he's like 17 in the first one they they say hmm. the character's 17 he's in a movie hmm. called like crazy as well that's um mm-hmm. a very intense uh emotional journey hmm. nice yeah no i'm keen to check as always whenever we watch an anton yelchon yelchon movie i'm like keen to check out more of his stuff mm. also you yeah you'd like green room Oh, is he in Green Room? He's the main character. With Patrick Stewart. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure I watched at the end of um, 2016. I watched, I remember, it was this is when we were living together at that house on Patterson Street. I watched mm-hmm. Star Trek Beyond, Green Room, John Wick, like a bunch of these movies for the first time. Mm. Good movie. All yeah. three of those are good movies. So it's time to continue the franchise, and this is an interesting one because, uh, yeah, I mean, m- f- most of my notes for this episode are about the development of a fourth film. So, <laughs> well, so so this this is like this came out in twenty sixteen, mm. Star Trek Beyond. the The clock is ticking. It is arguable, you know. I guess you could release anything at any time. Yeah. But it feels like it's getting like too late. I like people have stopped stopped yeah. caring about the Calvin time. I remember at one point reading that like their contracts had run out and so it was like they mm. had to lock one in at a certain point. But yeah, anyway, the mm. the 
the main sort of thing that we that we've known about the fourth one for a long time or we knew about it was that the fourth film was going to have Chris Hemsworth come back because also worth mentioning that his appearance mm. at the start of the first one is before Thor came out. Mm, yeah, yeah. And so it's like they really got lucky that he ended up becoming the biggest star in that movie. You know, <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's such interesting casting because like post fame Chris Hemsworth makes so much more sense to be in that role. Yeah, yeah. Whereas it's yeah. like, why'd you get the guy from Neighbors? to do this yeah <laughs> um but i mean it's good it's kind of it's quite good casting for like looks really chris similar pine to chris stared. pine but not yeah, identical yeah. um yeah so he was going to come back and the yeah they, like i said um Chekhov would not be recast uh it was officially announced at one point and the announcement confirmed the main cast returning from beyond as well as chris hemsworth and then on the Nerdist podcast in December 2015, Quentin Tarantino said that he was interested in making a Star Trek film. Uh, he said mm-hmm. he was a fan of the reboot film as well as the original series. And he thought there were a lot of episodes that could easily be expanded into a feature film. Um, and then it was like two years later, that clip blew up on YouTube and he was asked a bunch about directing a Star Trek film. And he said, yeah, it's worth having a meeting about um but he's always said he plans to retire after making 10 films and he'd made eight at this point and was getting ready to prep once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, in 2018, they said that there's a sequel to beyond being produced as well as Tarantino's films. There's two films, both in development. And then it was revealed that Tarantino's story was based on the episode, a piece of the action, which is set on an alien planet with an earth like 1920s gangster culture he assembled a writer's room so he wasn't going to write uh his star trek film he was going to it was going to be r-rated it's going to be very much in the style of tarantino who's going to make edits to it but he was too busy with once upon a time in hollywood um patrick stewart and william shatner both express, expressed interest in returning for the opportunity to work yes. with tarantino <laughs> shatner yeah man it's all because he had previously said he's not Mm. interested in returning Mm. but he's like tarantino fuck yeah Yeah. so in 2019 he said yeah it's definitely still in development um and he said the script's great it's like pop fiction in space and he said that he was a fan of it's exactly what you're thinking yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) it's pop fiction in space he said that he was a big fan of chris pine and zachary quinto's performances so he wanted them to star in his film but he wanted it to be a prequel to the original series rather than continuing the alternate timeline um and what's the difference uh, apparently they had a meeting with jj abrams and um was like i don't understand this i don't like it and jj abrams was like just do what you want <laughs> mm. uh yeah well that's that's my reaction as well i'm like i don't know what's the difference between it being mm. a, a prequel to the original series yeah and then he acknowledged that oh maybe maybe star trek doesn't count towards his 10 film plan but then like i oh, still wants to only make 10 blah 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 and in 20 december 2019 he said he was steering away from directing the film and then a month later said uh he wasn't going to direct it but he thinks it's a good idea for a star trek film and suggested it still be made offering to give notes on the first cut right and then okay. uh after a big search for a female director they landed on S.J. Clarkson, who's directed a lot of TV. Uh, her like big screen debut feature film is going to be Madam Web, the upcoming 
Sony Spider-Man spin off. Well, that's not coming out either. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's shot, so it's is it shot? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, with uh, yeah, Dakota we, Johnson we in, and Sydney Sweeney. We live in 2021 or earlier when a movie being shot guaranteed that it would yeah, be yeah, released yeah. eventually. <laughs> um, so in 2018, so this is a lot of these are running concurrently with the Tarantino thing. The mm-hmm. um, Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth left the film in 2018. Uh, no. Then, yeah, it was all, all the shit. They, Hemsworth said he was underwhelmed by the script. Then it was revealed just last year that they'd worked on the script for two and a half years and it was going to be inspired by an episode of the next generation called Relics in which they find that Scotty is still alive inside a transporter buffer many years after his presumed death. So this is like, you know, a century later in the next generation, they're like, oh shit, he's just been living down here. And so it was going to be that like the the wreck of the Calvin and... uh he george kirk had saved a copy of himself before the ship exploded and now could have conversations with kirk and shit yeah that's dumb that's dumb 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 i don't think i'm i like it's time travel exists in star Mm. trek so i'm okay with with a kirk kirk on kirk Mm. um but i think something like that where it reduces the sacrifice of the original film is like so bad such bad writing yeah they they said it was going to be a father-son galactic adventure featuring a similar relationship to last crusade and dino jones and it was good well there's a difference here isn't there mm. and, and it's that one of those actors is older than the yeah other. yeah these two guys are the same age yeah um noah hawley was then once that one fell apart mm-hmm. he was um hired to write and direct in 2019 and mm-hmm. it was speech set to feature a new plot from the not the george kirk time travel premise also separate to tarantino's idea and was gonna have everyone return he said that calling the film star trek 4 was a bit of a misnomer and that um reports of the beyond cast returning were not necessarily correct saying that he had approached paramount with his own vision for the franchise it was gonna be different from previous films likely involving new characters and he wanted to tell a story that was respectful and like had the same kind of relationship with the uh, source material as fargo and legion did Mm-hmm. and um he said that the star trek values of exploration and humanity at its best with diversity and creative problem solving was the most important thing to him specifically referencing a scene from wrath of khan which kirk puts on his reading glasses and lowers khan's shields it doesn't cost anything but that it's that triumphant feeling about outsmarting your enemy that he wanted to recreate and also mm. so he was still writing it midway through 2020 apparently it may have had a plot involving a deadly virus which would have been uncomfortable he ended up again that didn't happen and then in mid 2020 they did a big reassessment of what the star trek brand is and where do we want to go with it etc they talked about the the, like the cleanest path forward is just to do star trek 4 you know same cast continue the storyline but then they said oh maybe we do like the hawley and tarantino films are more like logan sort of thing with like a spin-off where it's like you know just tell the story you want and pick and choose what you want from the universe and they also whatever they did they wanted to increase overseas box office and a bunch of other names floating around but the biggest one sort of most notably was matt shackman who uh directed wandavision WandaVision, yeah. Yeah. So he turned down several offers apparently in favor of 
doing Star Trek and signed a deal in the mm-hmm. mid of, middle of 2021. And blah, 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 so much information. He's now left this project to do Fantastic Four. Um, so this is cast, isn't it? Yeah. And and I mean, Star Trek has pivoted hard back into TV yeah. since Beyond as well. Yeah, I mean, so maybe I it's like, like maybe when- you know you look back at Star Trek and the years years to come. You look back at Star Trek and it's like, well, you know, this this got it popular again, and that's that's all yeah, it needed totally. to be. You know, but it also makes you wonder, like, would if Beyond is the last in the Calvin timeline, mm. maybe it should have ended with at least one of the two ones retiring yeah you know it's so i just thought it was weird to set up to to begin a movie with like pretty bored of being in space and then end it with like i'm gonna suck it up and keep being in space space, yeah yeah Mm. Mm. (sighs) yeah interesting and now is the time where we both can pitch our own continuations of the franchise and my one's like there's a question i've been meaning to ask for the whole time mm. is that like so we have what like 11 star trek tv shows it's mm. crazy only two of them got movies to me mm. like why is there not a deep space nine movie why is there not a enterprise movie? Well, because like, nemesis was so bad yeah i mean i guess that is it but like and I mean, and it seems like looking at like the ratings and the cancellations of the series that yeah they were just um Star Trek's always sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Trek's always done poorly with audiences. But yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. just think it's crazy that these are the only movies we have. I don't know. Mm. So you want a Deep Space Nine movie? I want a Deep Space Nine movie. That's what I'm pitching. I do not know anything about the characters or um, the plot or anything. We, we, are, we are in a situation now, though, where I feel like the next Star Trek movie is going to be a Paramount Plus streaming, streaming Strange New Worlds movie. Strange New Worlds Discovery crossover thing. Like yeah. that's what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Yeah. Um Mike I've two much like um the real life uh, development of a Star Trek 4 in the Calvin yeah. time. Well, I, I, I knew you ideas. had a good one so I was like I don't need to do one. Well, I thought I had a good one Richard and then it turned out to be a lot harder than than I thought. So, uh should I do I've got two ba- I've got two subpar ones. <laughs> so the first thing I thought and I thought of this should have been how what my continue the franchise was for the original series because remember my one for that was like steal the plot of the yeah, motion yeah. picture and make and just, the prestige. Yeah. But then I was like, well why why did like Star Trek 4 in the Calvin timeline should just be a remake of the motion picture. Right, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, that's essentially what I'm saying. Especially maybe now that wait- the longer we wait. Yeah, yeah. And maybe you wait, you know, 30 years, 20 years, 30 years, and do it with old Chris Pine. Mm. Um, although, I don't know. Does does the gen- does the zeitgeist and, like, public opinion of different film, like, iconography, does it allow for, like, an old man Logan story starring the second actor to be old man Kirk? you know i don't know or is like a, it's not up to me it's like a, leg- a a legacy sequel to star trek 2009 like no we don't we don't care enough about the chris pine mm. version of the character 20 years later um so that was that was the thing you know and 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 you can cast chris uh evans chris Stuckman, as, as um yeah, chris Stuckman. you can cast one of the other hollywood chris's as captain decker from the mm. motion picture 
you know so you've got all the chris's find their way to star trek eventually but no i think and i'm surprised this is not in your notes for a um how to continue the franchise in real life because this feels like it's like just the idea that no one's considering and that's what about a calvin timeline next generation the reason it's not on my notes is because you messaged me the other day that you were doing this right so it has been talked about in official channels no like you just you told me you were doing it so i was like that, why did the, you bring that's ages what I mean. <laughs> that's what i mean is like i'm surprised in these official discussions right, 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 right. no one has gone let's do a next generation right, yeah, okay, in the yeah. calvin timeline let's do the same thing as the 2009 one but with the tng cast because and like you couldn't do it with all of the all of the star trek series i guess but tng feels like it's still got still like gravitas um, so I thought the obvious way to, to have fun with this was to pitch who you'd cast as each of the yeah. characters that I have some vague grasp on. Yeah. So who does Paul Mescal play and who does Adam Driver play? No, they're not in it. But Fuck off. their ilk are. Um, well, I ran into a problem and I've actually only written down three cast members. Okay. And th- there's a reason for that. One is that I have zero understanding of the characterization of like the woman characters in star trek tng like i don't know get whoever get people get actresses from like sex education to play them hmm. because that's who you know that's the equivalent of who was in the 2009 one as like tv you know like zachary, zachary quinto, quinto yeah. from big heroes. from heroes and, and all that sort of thing um but i uh, the other problem i ran into was uh all the characters in star trek the original series are roughly like the same age or at least appear the same age uh picard is about 30 years older than all of the other characters yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and um tng uh, so i've i've got cast for for the three characters i think you could still cast despite that you can't so you can't cast Riker, you can't cast geordie because they're all they'll all be one year old if you cast a young picard right okay. um but i've cast picard data and wharf because okay. data's an android wharf klingons age differently and picard is who i'd want to be in the film and be a young version right. and i think i've got a really fucking good cast for okay. picard i think i've and it's not you you know it's not an actor you'll be surprised to hear me list here because he's big at the moment but he is he is weird looking in the same way that patrick stewart is weird looking and i think a 30 year old captain picard in the star trek next generation calvin timeline movie should be played and i don't know how i've never known how to pronounce this properly uh barry kogan keegan oh yeah doesn't he look like if a young patrick stewart got punched in the face a few times yeah 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 he's very young i reckon yeah he's, he's so he's 30 i think or 31 yeah um and he would play picard i don't think we do anything with his hair i think we just say he's not bald yet Um, and you know he can do a voice he can do he can do um with data i was trying to think like all right who's 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 like popular and and um has like an android like quality Mm. to them are you familiar with an actor named skylar gizondo or gizondo Uh, yeah I've, i've read the name so he's in he's in licorice pizza as like the heartthrob character. Oh yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's in a bunch of stuff, and he's sort of there's a meme culture around him being like delightful. Yeah, basically. He's in and vacation, I don't think he, the reboot. Yeah, and I Book don't smart. think he doesn't look like Data. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like there are enough facial similarities that I could see him with the fucking weird lizard eyes yeah, and yeah, the yeah. No, sticky yeah. skin being being that character. Um, and as for Worf, I have cast uh, Travante Rhodes from Moonlight oh, yeah. as as young Worf. Um, now Andrew Todd, our friend who sorry I just dropped something. Oh fuck, Andrew Todd, our friend who I'm sure um is enjoying listening to the first episodes of the cold Pops podcast he's ever listened to and uh listening back to the star trek ones he wants to come on and talk to us about it and this is beyond i've told him like we want you to come on and i'm actually us mm. but this is additionally i want you andrew to cast a modern and you can ignore my castings. Yeah. You can do your own thing. Do a do a Calvin timeline next generation cast because you'll know more about it than I. I also think that like don't feel beholden to making Picard much younger. Like I don't know, you can make Picard like fifty age. and then everyone else be thirty or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's yeah. I think it's a fun conversation. James to McAvoy have. is Picard. Yeah. <laughs> It's not, it's, you and know, when you were like, "Oh, who's got like an androidy look?" I was like, "Michael Fassbender." Mm, yeah, he'd be pretty good. No, he's too cool to be Data. Data's a dork. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he was good as David. Yeah, you don't want someone playing David and Data. Yeah, too deep, too many D's. Too many fucking D's, right, dude. It's time you, to... you wouldn't you wouldn't think it, but there's three in David and Data because there's one at the end of yeah, David. No, you you would not think that. Hey, um, it's the hidden D. So, adding Star Trek to our ranked list. So, this is a bit where we mm. rank the franchise. Uh, this is a bit we do. It's <laughs> just a you just bear with us. Where do you think this is going to go? And also, is this a so, gold star franchise? This is a gold star franchise. I guess because I wouldn't have said that if Into Darkness didn't get eighty four percent. Yeah, right. And I do think that. I do think Star Trek 2009 is clearly the best one, but the gold star indicates no generally agreed upon weak link. And while I think certain people <laughs> who are fans of old Star Trek might say Into Darkness is absolutely the generally agreed upon weak link, our general consensus machine that is the infallible Rotten Tomatoes mm. is telling us that no, that's not true. So I'm... Uh, I'm cautious to give this a gold star because I think no one's going to say the first one isn't the best one. I've already given it but a gold star, sorry. So you've already given yeah. it a gold star. So where does it go? Is it better than the Hunger Games? That I was looking at the Hunger Games. I think it's between the Hunger Games and the 400 blows. Okay. Boom. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> I was like literally looking right at the Hunger Games. Yeah, so that's what, 25 yeah. now? The 25th best franchise we've watched. Richard, is it time for franchise roulette? It is, AJ. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, I, I thought about it. I've had it at the back of my mind for the last little while. Uh, so, yeah, so now it's time segment... to decide our next franchise. Yeah, we're going to roll a random number, and then who gets to make the other one guess this time? I'll make you guess. You'll make me guess what the franchise is and we'll be covering this in two weeks time we've got a list of um however many franchises that we'll be pulling from um richard yeah tell me tell me what the number is all right let me just pull up my randy number generator oh getting random uh all right 
38. Right. Well, before you tell us what franchise 38 is, Richard, I just want to say to the listeners at home, if you've enjoyed this episode and you haven't already, please consider following us in all the places. You can do those primarily on Twitter and Instagram at Culpopture. You can send us an email, media at gmail.com. You can join the Discord where you can tell us how wrong we truly are about Star Trek. Uh, and you can also donate to our Patreon if you are so inclined at patreon.com slash cultpopture where you get to do things like suggest every second franchise we watch or uh, listen to exclusive podcasts where we re- we revisit old franchises and look at new entries in them or spin-off shows or something. Star Trek will be a... a, a a plethora of <laughs> film franchise follow-ups um uh and you get to give us things like the post-credit scene which is coming at you soon but richard before all of that what is franchise what was it 38 yeah so we've got a trilogy love it easy and i think you are either gonna be really annoyed or find it really funny that we're doing this yeah. one because i know that Here it's one it. i'm huh have we mentioned it on this episode? Not this episode, but we, you and I have talked about it quite a it's, it's It's your go-to example for a specific kind of film. Um, like a... Sp- is it... Yep. Is it Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's... it's when, when people talk about an experience with a film, there's like the... This is the golden example of that. Oh. How, what era? Uh, two th- mid two thousands. And what one genre? one theatrical release, two straight to DVDs. We're getting straight to DVD release sequels in the mm. mid two thousands. Yeah. Is it Disney? Nope. It's a science fiction thriller. According to it, um, it was nominated for Choice Movie Thriller at the Teen Choice Awards, but lost to Eternal, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I guess they had two winners. Is the, it's not no it won't, no. I was gonna guess Starship Troopers, but that's much easier. no. This is the kind of movie that you love when you're a kid, and it's gonna be great for us to revisit as adults. Um, and see if it holds up. Oh my god, I don't know. Tell me what it the is. The Butterfly Effect trilogy. Oh, fucking hell! I was thinking about this recently <laughs> and thinking, like, are we ever going to cover the Butterfly Effect trilogy? Or has its, like, its status as a trilogy just disappeared? Yeah, faded into the... obscurity. Like, like these are these those sequels yeah. are movies that i genuinely was like i never will even see the posters again mm. let alone i've them. i've seen the butterfly effect 2 i haven't seen the butterfly effect 3 revelations but they're like i've seen them all oh wow okay well this will be an exciting one and do you know the main thing i remember the, the fucking hot sexy <laughs> at the sequence <laughs> that's uh, all i remember from those movies all these yeah, years yeah well so yeah checking in two oh weeks time God. for a dissection of the butterfly effect starring the Ashton Kutcher and this, Amy Smart. I'm excited, but this sucks. Dude. Yeah. This is rotten. This is like, this needs to be deleted from history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Ah, oh, this is a. See, see, um, uh, Stuart Little was a season one episode. It felt like it mm. belonged in season one. 
this feels like it belongs in season seven <laughs> or whatever you know the butter like we're down to the what people don't even people barely even know the first one <laughs> the whole trilogy incredible all right everybody well stay tuned for that in two weeks time uh we'll see you for the butterfly effect trilogy the trilogy um and uh other than that thank you for listening live long and prosper and stay tuned for the post credit scene coming at you after this music ends kirk out <laughs> Welcome along to the post credit scene. There's a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credits scene. Richard, who is it from and what does it say? Today's one comes to us from Vincent Lara who says, if your life truly did flash before your eyes right before you passed, what song do you think will be playing through this montage for yourself? Um, Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. <laughs> I can't stand it! Um, are you familiar with the song? Uh, the Are you familiar with the band The Bravery? Yeah, man. F- and their song Honest Mistake? Yeah. I, th- yeah, I, think I reckon so. it goes... Um, don't look at me that way it was an honest mistake don't look at me that way it was an honest mistake an honest mistake i listened to it a lot and i reckon 2005 that's when the song came out yeah i reckon i listened to it heaps then and it still sticks with me yeah that's my flash before my eyes song nice mine would be i mean my like serious answer would be um opportunity by pete murray which is like my favorite song of all time um and it's all like hold on now your exit's here um mm-hmm. so very very fitting but then i don't know i feel like like when i pictured it reading the question i was picturing like a real fucking like upbeat montage Right, you're not thinking like the Book of Love playing at the end of the yeah, season. Yeah, like there's just the first thing that came to my mind was like a way more like upbeat sort of thing. Separate Ways, Worlds Apart by Journey. Is long and boring. Or, I'm um, going to actually change my answer to um, Push by... Yeah, Seabet <laughs> by um, Hudson Mohawk. <laughs> the, the, which it's the one year anniversary. When we're recording, that's the one year anniversary of the the reddit post about the guy who would make love to that song that goes it's like the most pathetic sounding that's so good yeah see about this is my answer right cut Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.